Well, hallelujah, hallelujah, and hallelujah. He is worthy to be praised. He is good. He is great. He is our mighty God. Let's bow together. Let's pray. Precious Father, we, Lord, uh, God, come to You with, uh, Lord, thanksgiving in our hearts. Because, Lord, regardless of our external circumstances, because of who You are, because of what You have done for us, Your people, we ought to always give thanks in all circumstances for that is Your will for us in Christ Jesus. Lord, I thank You, God, for those that are here today. I thank You, Father, for those that will ever hear Your Word that is proclaimed today. And Father, I pray that, Lord, You will strengthen Your church, that, God, You will awaken Your people to stand strong and firm in Your truth. Lord, speak for me. Help me, God, as I declare Your truth. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. Well, I would like to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word this morning and open your Bibles to Psalm 139. Psalm 139, verse 17 and 18 specifically, and we will uh, nestle there, and then we're going to broaden out to some selected scriptures this morning. But in Psalm 139, uh, beginning in verse 17, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. Actually, if we followed a literal interpretation of the Hebrew there, it would start out as for me, how precious are your thoughts, O God, to me. How vast is the sum of them. If I were to count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I drop as a title over this text of Scripture, Precious Thoughts for a Particular People. Um, and I, I, I do that because these precious thoughts that we're going to consider this morning are not for everybody. But they are for somebody. They are for a particular group of people. These words are very mind-blowing, if you consider it. Um, King David was the human instrument who wrote Psalm 139, who penned verse 17 and verse 18. Um, the fact that these words were composed by David makes the essence of verse 17 and verse 18 even more amazing and more audacious, if you will. You see, God, David is saying God has innumerable, you can't count them, thoughts about Him, thoughts 
towards Him that are precious to Him. And these thoughts David found to be sustaining, that found them to be strengthened by them every day as he awoke. Now this is amazing, this. And I say this is amazing and audacious when you consider the man, David. You see, this is the same David who committed adultery with Bathsheba. Let, let me write, who actually raped Bathsheba. This is the same David who had her husband Uriah killed and trying to cover up his sin. This is the same David who in another psalm said his sins are more than the hairs on his head. This is the same David who acknowledged in yet another psalm that he was sinful from the moment of his conception. Yet, it is this same David that God has precious thoughts towards that are innumerable as the sands on the seashore. Wow. That's amazing. How can that be? How can that be, church? How can that be? I'll tell you how shortly and I'll show you how. But it is because of amazing and audacious sovereign grace. David's life, though he sinned great, David's life was not defined by the snapshot of his moments of sin. David's life was defined by his love and his hunger of God that was characteristic of the panoramic of his life. Now, that is gospel. You see, this is the same David who cried out in response to his most famous sin in Psalm 51 and verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. It was a cry, not when you study the Hebrew words that are used there, it was not simply a cry of being acquitted for his sin, but Lord, literally, stamp it, beat it, remove it, eradicate it from my life. This is the same David who also said to the Lord in Psalm 39 and verse 1, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. This is the same David who testified in Psalm 34 and verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. This is the same David who cried out to God in verse 42 and verse 1. In, 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 in Psalm 42 and verse 1. As a deer pants for the flowing stream, so my soul pants for you, O God. This is the same David of whom twice the Scripture refers to him as a man after God's own heart. A David who some of you would speak to if you met him on the street corner. Because you couldn't get past what he had done. 
Wow, why am I telling you this about David? David was a sinner, but David did not make peace with his sin. David was a sinner, but his life was not defined by his sin. His life was defined by his remorse and his repentance and his response to his sin. David was a sinner, but David was a saint. David was a child of God. David was a man of faith. David was a man who was a product of sovereign, saving grace. It is only because of God's amazing and audacious grace that God thought thoughts of David that were precious, comforting thoughts, faith-strengthening thoughts. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said of David in verses 17 and 18, he said he is comforted, talking about David, he is comforted and even feels himself to be enriched as with a casket of jewels that God should think upon him in such a way. Spurgeon goes on and says these precious thoughts that God has toward sinners who are saved are the treasure and pleasure of their lives. Wow. Now let me turn this message on you. What kind of thoughts do you think God thinks about you? What kind of thoughts? You see, God does not think precious thoughts towards all people, but a particular people. As for me, David says. As for me, in other words, that sets off. Not as for others or all others, but as for me, God, your thoughts towards me, they are precious. If you are born again, if then God has countless, infinite, precious thoughts about finite, little, insignificant you. That's amazing. Even audacious when you consider it. It is important for the real Christian to learn some of these precious thoughts that God has about us. Because listen, if we think wrong thoughts about us, if we find ourselves thinking lies about what God thinks towards us, we will find ourselves in bondage. We will find ourselves in bondage to false thoughts and religious notions. Without pondering the precious thoughts of God toward us like David had, we will find ourselves slaves to these lies and paralyzed by fears. Which is where many of you are. Let me give you a biblical example of this. You remember in Mark's Gospel, chapter number 5, verse 24 through 35, we read about a woman who had a severe menstrual bleeding problem. She had this for about 12 years. But she knew if she could just get to Jesus that she would be made well. And so somehow this woman who was an outcast of society and was declared to be ceremonially unclean, managed to get herself in that crowd and managed to get to Jesus and just touched the hem of His garment. And the Bible says she was instantly healed. But then the text goes on to say that she was 
full of fear and trembling. Perhaps she was thinking about what she had just done. Perhaps she was thinking about how she's not supposed to be out amongst all these people. How she's supposed to keep herself separate like a leper because of her unclean condition. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus had to tell this dear woman, go in peace, to assure her that she was whole and she was clean. You hear that? Some of you right now, born again, saved to the bone, you need the Holy Spirit of God to speak a word of assurance in your life that you are whole and you are clean by the blood of the Lamb. That's what the gospel does. Wow. Some of you in Valdosta this morning need to receive God's thoughts about you. This morning, you need to be free from your earthly fears. You need to be free from your spiritual fears and be at peace with who you are in Christ. Wow. Now, others of you this morning, it's not so. It's not so. You, 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 you are perishing in your sins. And unless you repent and believe, you listen, you need to tremble. For God is holy. Okay? If you, if you, when you're not saved, when you're not born again, God's thoughts, I'll tell you what God's thoughts, they're not precious. They're judicial. And God says, guilty, condemned. Matter of fact, for those, because these people sit in the church, if there's anyone who's not born again, God's thought towards you is away from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. So we're not making light sin. But we're exalting the power of the gospel this morning. And what it'll do in the life of the believer. Wow. It this is amazing. The moment the worst of sinners is saved. You hear this? The moment the worst of sinners is saved. You are placed in Christ and your identity is changed. And because of that identity change, because you have a new name, sinner, you are a saint by the blood of the Lamb. God has innumerable precious thoughts toward you. And this morning, we're going to graze some selected scriptures and rejoice in some of them. Now, they are without number. And I don't think you would appreciate a million point sermon this morning. Oh, you're not listening. <laughs> I said, the text said in Psalm 139 that they are without number. And I don't think you would appreciate a million point sermon this morning. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. But I will offer to you this morning three tiny yet priceless grains of this sand. Now, in order to do that, I could go anywhere from Genesis to Revelation. But I decided that I want to fast forward from Psalm 139, verse 17 and 18 and springboard into the book of the Song of Solomon. Or the Song of Songs, as some of your more modern translations title that book. If you don't know where Song of Solomon is, 
Um, you go from Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and then you find Song of Solomon. I think sometimes the church is afraid of the Song of Solomon. They don't know what to do with it. They, but, you know, the Bible is just a very real and open book. Okay? The Song of Solomon is a beautiful book. It's a, it's a tale of two love stories, if you will. It, on, on one, it's, one is literal, the other one is spiritual. On the literal side, um, it is a depiction of the love and the passion and the sexual freedom between a husband and his wife. It is my prayer for all married couples that you experience a song of Solomon marriage. It would be the will of God in Christ for you. Now, on the deep end of the pool, this is in, in, in the, the, the more eternal point of the Song of Solomon, is that it is a picture of the love of Christ for His bride, the the church. It is a picture of the love of Christ, the deep, deep love of Christ for His church, His bride, His elect. And so it is from that standpoint and through that lens that I want to visit a few places here. And I want you to hear what God says, what our Savior says about us. Are you ready for this? Three tiny yet priceless grains of sand that ought to wow your spirits. This is God talking. This is the Holy Spirit speaking. Oh, hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Listen. The first thing that I want you to see, if you'll look over in Psalm, it would help if I would get to the Song of Solomon. If you'll look over in chapter number 1, listen to verse 15. Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. Your eyes are doves. <laughs> I might dance, but I'll hold off. Now listen to me. The Lord says to His church, Guys, you are beautiful. You say, Scott, I don't feel too beautiful right now. I'm not asking you about what you feel right now. I'm telling you about what God has declared right now. And He says that you are beautiful. He compares you also to like that of a dove. And in antiquity, a dove often was symbol, uh, symbolic of, of cleanliness and calmness. Church, you have been washed 
and the blood of the Lamb. You have been purchased by His blood. And because you are painted with the blood of Jesus, there is a calmness that comes to your spirit. For the blood has been sprinkled on your consciences. There is a cleanliness that comes by the blood of Jesus. And you are declared cleansed because God now sees you, church, through the lens of the cross. That is good news. That is gospel. That is how our Lord sees us. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Holy God. Holy, holy, holy God. God who is woe is you and you are undone outside of Christ. Holy God. He looks at you and He declares you're beautiful. Even though sin made us ugly. Even though our actions were at times monstrosities. God saved us and God changed us and God made us beautiful. Beautiful by the blood. Right now, positionally, you are as perfect and righteous and holy as Christ is righteous and holy. That's good. Let me end you in on a little thing here. God not only sees you presently as you are holy and perfect and righteous. God sees you right now presently and has from all eternity past as the finished product of your salvation. Now, right now, you are in a process of being made into the image of Christ. Your salvation is producing perfect Christ-likeness in your life. You're not there yet. Okay, it's, it's producing that in you. It's working that in you. We're going through sufferings and trials and pains and defeat and victories as we learn and we grow and we're being conformed to the image of He who has rescued us. And we're not just like Him yet, but God sees us as if we are. God, listen, when you have been bought with the blood of Jesus, God does not look at you based on where you're at now. He relates uh, to us through what the gospel has accomplished. (laughs) You got a little too much religion in you if you hadn't got that yet. You want some religion? Go up the hill. I digress. Now, guys, let me show you one of the most amazing texts in your New Testament. I refer to it often because it so blows my mind, and I refer to it for different applications. But I want you to see this, okay? It's Romans chapter 8, verse number 30. Because I just want to show you that I'm not giving you just good little theological notions. What I say, I pray is said because I want to be tied to a slave of the text because the text is the truth. And the text is like a sword, and it is the sword of the Holy Spirit. They do not operate separately. They do not operate except in tandem together. You want a word from God? That word from God better be confirmed in His Word, or it's a word of a devil and a demon. 
God speaks, but so does the devil. And you better make sure that what you think God is saying or you dare ascribe to God is a word from God better be clarified in the word of God. So I got the word of God for you. Verse number 30 of Romans 8. And those whom he predestined. He also called. And those whom he also called, he justified. Oh, here it comes, saints. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. (laughs) Gosh, you know, do you get that? Do you know when you're glorified? Do you know what that refers to? Do you know where that is in the process of your salvation? You're not there yet. Glorification is when our salvation is complete. And when it is full, it is when we have seen Him. And we're just like Him. It is the completion of the good work that God began in us. It has not been yet done in our lives yet. We're not yet glorified yet. Yet God from eternity past looks at us as if, boom, glorification, future grace, done deal when you really get a hold of that kind of truth it'll make a Baptist and a Presbyterian act like a Pentecostal finally we've got somebody that's got truth and spirit I digress (laughs) hallelujah God says you are beautiful you hear that (laughs) You are beautiful. You're beautiful. Not because you're so great and wonderful, but because of the blood of the Lamb. Wow. Not because of your will and your self-effort and your moral fortitude. If you take pride in your will and your effort, in your moral fortitude, not saying that That's not important. But if you take pride in that, you have nothing but the spirit of a Pharisee. And I don't even know if you know Christ. Ah. Just think on that. Now, first, tiny grain. Second, tiny grain comes from Song of Solomon, chapter 2. Just go down to verse 2. I want to read verse 2 and 3 together. As a lily among brambles or thorns, so is my love. My love. Who is my love? We, the church is my love. As a lily among brambles or thorns, so is my love among the young women. As an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved. Among young men. And that is our response to the church. To the Lord. Because of His love for us. We love Him because He first loved us. It's a beautiful picture. But I want to focus and zero in on verse 2. God thinks, church, you're of great worth. Now this may just mess with your psychology. But I hate to say this to you. No, I don't hate to say it to you. I'm just going to tell you. Before you came to Christ, 
through the eyes of God's perfection, you were worthless. I don't like the way that sounds. Understand, God did not save you because you were worthy. God saved you because of His worthiness. Okay? You see, we were worthless when we were totally depraved. But now, having been made alive in God's great mercy, we who were dead in our sins, we are now of worth... And that is precious. When you're a believer, when you're born again, God sees you as a lily amongst the thorns. Christian, now that you are in Christ and Christ is in you, you're seen as a unique lily. The lost is not so. They're seen as the bramble. Common thorn is to be cut down and thrown and cast into eternal fire. But we, the church of the Lord Jesus, we, the elect lady of 2 John, we, the church that has been bought by the blood of the Lamb, we are the darling of God. Among a world of souls. Ephesians 2 and verse 10. You heard it this morning. The theme verse for VBS this year. Where it talks about how we are having been saved by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves. But it's the gift of God. We are God's workmanship. Workmanship. That word workmanship literally means Masterpiece. So because of God's saving grace, we are masterpieces. Wow. Wow, that is beautiful. The blood of His Son has made us masterpieces. Because when God looks at us, He sees the Son. He sees the Son. He sees the only begotten Son who shed His love particularly for those who would believe out of the world. Wow! That's the Gospel. Religion cannot make you beautiful. Religion cannot make you worth something. Religion only condemns you greatly and greater to hell. But the gospel, ah, the gospel, it saves. It changes. Wow. Well, if you stay in chapter 2 and go on to verse 14, I'll read one other thing that we read. Oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the crannies of the cliff. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet. Your face is lovely. Wow. That is beautiful. I would tell you that because of the blood of the Lamb, our voices are sweet. Now, In the book of Revelation, we read about the prayers of the saints that are being gathered, and they're called a sweet aroma. Sweet aroma in the nostrils of God. I want you to understand that our voices to the Lord are sweet. Now that's special to me because I may 
not have a sweet voice like Kelsey or Kenley. And I can't sing like they can. And I may sing like I'm tone deaf. And, and Miss Yuna just nodded like, Amen, you sing like you're tone deaf. But that's okay because filtered through the blood of Jesus, I sound like the best voice in all of the world. The voice of Jesus. That's not me. It's Him. Wow. Wow. Church, I want you to know, I want you to understand the greatness of what the Gospel has done. And because of the Gospel, God has precious thoughts, innumerable precious thoughts towards you. Let them sustain you when you wake each day. Let them strengthen you like they strengthen David each day. Without the realization of God's thoughts towards him, I imagine that a man like David would have ended his life a long time ago. But there was an uncanny supernatural power at work in him. And though he sinned great, God's grace was greater. And it didn't leave him in his sin. It changed him even more. Day by day by day by day. This is what the gospel does. I would say to any of you here that do not have the assurance of the new birth that you are saved and born again. Do you feel the weight of your sin? Do you feel the conviction of that sin? Do you long to be free from that sin? Do you long to be changed? Well, I would tell you, though your sins be as scarlet, they can be white as snow. Call on the name of Jesus. He is mighty to save. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed. I'm going to ask Angie to go to the piano and I'm going to ask um, our song leader to come and lead us in a, in a song.